Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 18. If you're motivated and you're passionate about this, um, the money will eventually find you and you'll be able to make it work, but it definitely won't be easy. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to The Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. Each week, we dive deep into uncovering the difference between the average and the awesome. We talk with thought leaders, business moguls, health and fitness professionals, and world-class athletes as we look for the secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, and I hope you are having a phenomenal Monday morning if you are listening to this live or the day when it comes out on Monday, because that's the day these interviews come out are Monday morning. And if you're listening to this later on in the week, I still hope you are having a phenomenal day. So um, yeah, either way, I hope you're having a great day. And if you are unaware, our interviews are on Monday and we have one-on-ones and just kind of talk more thought process and mental side. And we have shorter uh, episodes on Friday, but today's Monday. So we've got an amazing interview with just a phenomenal athlete and a full-time creator artist in so many different art forms. And again, just another great friend of mine, Rush Sturges. Rush has been a professional kayaker for many years, a filmmaker. He's also uh, a recording artist, and his latest album uh, was more of a folk rap or folk hop. Folk hop, I guess, is the the I guess is what you call it. Um, but anyway, just a, an amazing individual. So many different aspects about him. Uh, we talk about his upcoming film, The River Runner, which is super cool. And we really kind of go deep into the creative side of Rush, how he got into kayaking, and just kind of talk a lot about uh, the creative side and the art form about his entire life. So I think this is a really cool interview. I really think you guys are going to enjoy it. And let's wait no further. Further, so let's just jump into this interview. Here is Rush Sturges. Well, Rush, thank you so very much for joining me today. Uh, it's always a pleasure to get to hang out with you, whether we're paddling on the river or whatever we're doing. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, likewise. Good to good to see you, man. It's been a minute. Yeah, seriously. Um, so Rush, you've got a pretty unique and incredible kind of story where I would say you've, from what I see anyway, that I would consider you a pretty creative spirit in the sense that you write music, you rap, you paddle, you make films, um, all sorts of different kind of what I would consider art forms. How did it all start for you? And were you always so interested in, you know, art forms or creating or how did it evolve from the start? Yeah, I think it, I definitely think it kind of goes back, honestly, as long as I can remember, um, you know, I sort of grew up in a family of artists in a bit, in a sense, like my, my uncle is a, is a pretty well established photographer and my mom's whole side of the family is kind of Hollywood and, and, um, you know, really into filmmaking and editing and, um, you know, so I, I think I kind of inherited my passion for filmmaking from my mom and from just as a kid, just watching, you know, all the Oscar nominees and watching musicals and just, I, I was really 
into movies, maybe because, you know, she was, and, um, I grew up in kind of a unique setting. It was, it's a, I grew up in basically the middle of the wilderness, uh, about a, a five hour round trip to the nearest kind of sizable town, um, to get groceries or anything. And so we were, we were pretty deep out there. You've, you've come to visit before and, um, you know, it's far away from everything. And so there's just, it kind of allows for a lot of, um, creative time, I guess. So I, I feel like as for as long as I can remember, I kind of was always into writing poems and doing, you know, um, you know, writing in general. I liked always like storytelling. And, um, I think actually before, kayaking was ever a thing I was you know there as long as I can remember I wanted to be involved with film so that kind of just I don't know just kind of grew over the years and I had some good mentors as a kid and people who were also passionate about art and it just sort of instilled that um I guess passion in me from kind of a an early age and and it's just kind of grown from there that's that's incredible so essentially you think or you're saying that uh that the film inspiration was even before paddling yeah, definitely before paddling, actually. In fact, I was, um, you know, kayaking is, it, for me, it was, it was, it was really scary, actually, when I first started. I was quite a timid, um, you know, uh, learner when I was kind of first getting into it. I, I didn't honestly like it that much initially, even though I loved the water. And I, I definitely also was a sort of adrenaline addict as a little kid, too. Like, I was always into jumping off cliffs and, like, I enjoyed that. But for me, somehow the kayaking thing was almost, I think it, part of it was maybe like a rebellious thing to you. Like my family runs a kayak school. And so I, I feel, I did feel like a certain amount of pressure to sort of be good at kayaking. And because I didn't just immediately be good at it, I was sort of maybe like, um, you know, a little reluctant initially. Um, but I think that as I sort of became a teenager and got a little older, I started to understand the sport a little deeper and it became more, um, something that I was, passionate about and, and ultimately just kind of merge those two passions for art and, and, and kayaking together. Amazing. So that's kind of how you, you merged, you know, obviously your paddling and filmmaking, which, you know, makes perfect sense. And if you haven't seen any of Rush's films, go out and watch them. The, I mean, we could name off all of them, but it, you've pretty much made some of, if not all of the best whitewater films in, in kayaking, or at least certainly in the, in the past, you know, decade. But where did where did the whole music come along? Was that like before kayaking as well, or you've got your last um, album, "The Life Worth Living," is is kind of like a folk hop mixed genre, really unique. It's definitely some of my favorite music. Um, and how did that all kind of come into place? Was that just because you needed music for the film, or just kind of yeah. talk on that a little bit? Well, thanks, man. No, I appreciate all that. Um, I mean, yeah, if you know, the music side of it is definitely a, it's, it's a hobby for sure. It's not, um, you know, I mean, I, I am passionate about it and I do try to practice, um, regularly. Um, and it's definitely, I think even actually lately something I've been developing even more than in the past. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty into it for sure, but it's always definitely been sort of like the third, third runner up to, to kayaking and filmmaking, which were always sort of top priority. And now that I'm shifting a little bit in my life and focusing a bit more on the art side of things and less on the sort of hardcore, um, you know, paddling it's, uh, but yeah, I guess it kind of started again, kind of growing up in this small community. Um, you know, music was a pretty big part of it. We would have like kind of town dances and, and, um, I was just always really into, uh, the dances and the music and, and, and a lot of that music was folk and rock. And so I kind of grew up on that and then started getting into hip hop because other kids, um, in the area had, you know, sort of the, 
what was back then kind of the first hip hop we'd ever heard, which was, you know, like NWA and Wu-Tang Clan and the Beastie Boys and all this, this stuff that it just really connected with me. And I think that um, the lyricism and the storytelling for me was something that I just became passionate about pretty, pretty early on and um, just kind of... For whatever reason, I think when I was maybe maybe 12 or 13, I wrote my first rap and then I started to just kind of, I don't know, just kind of stuck with it. It, it. For me, it was almost something that it's like a necessary outlet, I feel like. So it's just something that I sort of was naturally drawn to for whatever reason and just have kind of kept at it. And um, but um, yeah, I, you know, like I said, it's it is hobby status, but definitely trying to trying to do it some more. That's amazing. So I, I I like art a little bit myself, and I you know paint and draw a little bit. But yeah, you're dude, you're actually an epic artist, man. I have been blown away by your your paintings. I had no idea, and I think I can't remember when it was. I saw your one one of your paintings, but I was like, damn, dude, you got some skills. I just dabble. It's just something for me. It's something to to just kind of if I'm stressed or whatever, I can go and just like lose myself in in painting. Um, is is music? similar for you as kayaking like where you can just like lose yourself in it or or kind of I don't know how do they compare as an art form I guess absolutely I mean I think to me all of this is related you know whether it's like it's all art you know and I think that um it's all necessary in terms of it's just like something I feel like those of us who are artists are just sort of drawn to naturally I mean it it um you know, for me, it's like, I, I still get out paddling almost every day here in white salmon. And, and, um, you know, it doesn't even for me anymore need to be the gnarliest thing. In fact, most of this year has probably been spent on class three, four, you know, but mainly cause it's a low water year and that's what's available. But, um, but for me, it's like, it just, it, it sort of rejuvenates me and makes me feel good. I mean, I can be having kind of a long day in the office or feel stressed out or be going through something in my life. And then I, go to the river, I write a song or I, I finish editing a section or whatever it might be. And it just sort of, I don't know, it just gives me reinstills confidence and kind of makes me, me feel good again. And so I feel like I need that art, um, in my life and you need it from an athletic standpoint and a sort of creative standpoint. So I feel like it's, I feel blessed that I have kind of both worlds going, you know, I think that, um, it's really important that you have the the athletic side as as well in addition to the other types of creativity, you know. No, for sure. It it's uh it's a cool blend for me where it's it's you know just different aspects, almost like a yin and yang where I don't know, if you want to be like more relaxed or something like that, you can do something, you know, off the water if you want to still be artistic but very energetic, maybe the river's the the right place for that, or at least in, in my point of view. Absolutely. Yeah, no, they go, go hand in hand for sure. Cool. So you're also working on a new film, uh, called the river runner. Can you tell us a little bit about that or the story behind it at all? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so I've been working on the river runner for, it'll be three years in October. Um, and, and it's, it's basically Scott Lindgren's life story. So I don't know for anyone unfamiliar, um, when I was a kid growing up, Scott was was the guy making all the kayak films or a lot of the the sort of biggest ones and arguably one of the, the most accomplished expedition kayakers of all time. He did the Sang Po, which is still to this day probably the most significant undertaking um, in expedition paddling. And, you know, I had heard about his sort of vision and, and dream to run four of the... Um, 
kind of most iconic rivers uh, in the Himalayas that, that flow off of this peak called Mount Kailash. And, um, he basically had, had completed all, uh, three of the four rivers throughout the course of his, his sort of paddling career in life. And he still wanted to do the Indus. And so when I heard that story, I was like, huh, this is really interesting. Um, we should do like a short film about it. And so I actually ended up, um, producing a segment, um, on the Indus with him. We went to Pakistan in 2017 and then as I started to learn his story more and, you know, he's, he's been dealing with this brain tumor and he's had some, uh, you know, trials and tribulations throughout his life that are, are really interesting and actually quite different from the normal sort of kayaker story. Uh, many of us come from more kind of privileged backgrounds and, and uh, Scott definitely had an interesting and, and difficult childhood and, and sort of uh, kind of shaped him into this uh, interesting character. And so as I got to know him better, I, I started thinking, man, this is actually really worthy of a feature film, a documentary, full feature length. And so we ended up going that route with it, which ended up, you know, taking a lot longer than I would have thought. I, I thought we might be able to do this thing in like a year and it's, you know, we're now year three, but, um, but I think it's a, a, a really interesting story and it's in a similar vein and production value, I think is the last feature I did, which was chasing Niagara. Um, but this one's definitely more of a biography. It's a departure from anything I've done before. So I, it was a big learning experience for me, um, as well. I mean, I'm, I'm still learning. We're still navigating, uh, the process of what it looks like to, to bring out a, a feature film right now, given the sort of uh, climate of the art world, <laughs> um, which, which may or may not work to our advantage. It's hard to say right now with COVID and everything, but uh, we're hoping that there's a demand for content and that we'll be able to get this thing out to the world here pretty soon. That's awesome. You, you mentioned how you're, you're continuing learning as you're doing this, you know, documentary style, which is a little bit different from what you've done in the past. How important do you consider it to continue learning uh, in in all different aspects of life? Yeah, I mean, I it's it's uh, it's not even really optional. I think that we're all just going to have to keep learning. You know, whether that's uh, you know, like doing what you've done, and you know, start you started a family, and you've built this up, this whole foundation for you know your path and everything. And I mean, I'm sure it's just a constant. Like we're all learning in different ways, you know. And um, anytime you take on a project or whether it's starting a podcast or, or making a film or whatever it is. Um, the, the fun part for me is that I, you know, I feel like I keep getting better at it. You know, I hope so. Uh, that's like the biggest fear as an artist, right? Is like you come out with a project and people are like, man, his last film was good, but this one sucks, you know I mean? But that's like the real like fear that I think that every artist kind of has. And it's also like, I think that you can sort of use that, doubt in yourself to actually sort of further your projects and and kind of make them better because by having that that doubt and kind of fear it means that you like really care about what you're doing um I think anytime I get overconfident with something or just kind of feel good about it uh doesn't actually turn out as good as I was hoping you know so sometimes it just I I sort of I know that when I have that sort of like foreboding just kind of gut-wrenching fear inside of me that something's not going to be good it's usually when it turns out the best in kind of a weird way, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure what that's all about. Yeah. I wonder if it's just, you know, you're trying to hold yourself accountable to higher and higher levels every time. Um, and I think that forcing yourself with that accountability just like furthers, you know, progression. Um, uh, whereas when you kind of 
you just think like, oh yeah, I'm just going to do the same thing. It was, you know, great success last time. I'm just going to duplicate that or do the same thing again. You know, it just, it's either it doesn't work or it becomes the has been or whatever. And as soon as you're not, you know, learning or progressing in, in any way, I think you just kind of, you start dipping down. It's like you, there is no like standstill. It's either like forward or backwards. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like for me with filmmaking and music, I'm sort of like taking that on as like the next thing that I really want to progress at and grow at and focus at on. Um, and kayaking is still, you know, intrinsic in my, in my sort of nature and in my life, but it's sort of, you know, maybe you and I had this conversation a few years ago, but I started just kind of getting this feeling with paddling where I was like struggling with like, really like, how do I actually reinvent myself here? How do I keep progressing? Like, I don't really want to run bigger drops anymore because I've been injured and I, it, it, um, you know, I'm like mid thirties and just simply like you cannot take this, these types of impacts anymore. Um, and also to be honest, like I actually have not enjoyed that style of kayaking as much. I've been more into river running and, um, but even in that, you know, genre, it's, you know, extremely exposed. It's dangerous. I, I think like going to the Indus with on, Oniol and, and company was, um, I mean, it, the whitewater was like fine for me from like, you know, having the skills to run it, but the mental component for me, I, I started to, to notice that something was shifting for sure. And, and that I was, you know, perhaps not wanting to put myself in those types of, of situations. So I guess like, yeah, to your point about kind of reinventing and moving forward now for me, it's like, I'm finding, you know, satisfaction with paddling, like honestly just dialing in like my stern squirts way better <laughs> or like, you know, um, and I, and I still feel like I have some, some big trips to do and, and rivers to run, but it's, uh, I think more so than even reinventing yourself, it's about keeping things interesting and making sure that you're, uh, you know, you're still staying entertained and in whatever medium it is. I mean, and like, you know, I've spent so much of my life with kayaking is just being the driving, you know, sort of focus for me. And like this summer I went backpacking and I'd never really done that in my adult life. And, um, just having spent so much time hiking my boat over mountains and then just hiking with a backpack, it like felt like a vacation, you know, but I still got that similar, you know, f that feeling of being out in nature and, and, um, you know, still gave me this really positive experience overall. Um, so I guess, yeah, it's just about kind of finding what, what makes you, what makes you stoked and whatever that is. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And ironically, I feel like COVID has almost forced the opportunity for everybody to have that reinvention, you know, period yep. where, whether, you know, you were stuck at home and it was like, well, what else or what can I do here at home or what can I do in my backyard if I'm not traveling as much or whatever. And it, it just kind of gives everybody that opportunity to, you know, take a deeper look inside and figure out like, okay, if I wanted to pivot, where would I go or what, what could I do or how could I, you know, keep things? Yeah. Going? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, whether it's like baking bread or, you know, like the people have taken on all these new things that they've never done before. For me, it was, you know, I, I left white Sam and I moved home to my folks place in Northern California for, for two full months. And then I went back for another month. So, I mean, spending three months at home, I mean, I haven't done that since I was a teenager. You know, I pretty much left when I was, when I graduated high school to pursue kayaking and I, you know, go home maybe, maybe three, four times a year, but I only spend like a week at a time. And, um, 
I feel like I got to know my parents a lot better. I got to know their operation a lot better. It was just, um, you know, and like even my dad was saying, he's like, this would have never happened if COVID wouldn't happen. So, I mean, I feel blessed. I feel lucky that I have those types of, um, you know, resources and, and just that kind of area to kind of fall back on if everything really does, you know, go to hell, which it, it really, at the beginning of this thing, it was scary. You know, I mean, I think we were all scared. Um, and it kind of felt like at least here, like the world was kind of ending, you know, and maybe that's also because we were a little bit closer to the epicenter with Seattle kind of being the first place to have the, the outbreak, but it was, you know, panic buying and just the whole thing felt, felt very apocalyptic, you know, and, uh, also made me think a lot about like, you know, these skills that I have developed from like being in the wilderness and being outside so much and like, okay, but, but am I actually like prepared to go and live off the grid, you know, like, I don't know, probably not. Um, I mean, it's a pretty, uh, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're, I feel like we're at this very interesting pivot point for sure in, 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 with humanity and the world. And it's uh, a lot of unknowns right now, without a doubt. Yeah. I, I feel like if, uh, if you were going to go live off the grid, going to your dad's place would probably be a pretty good, pretty good idea. As I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're off the grid already, you know? So like that's, that part of its dial, but then it's like, what, okay, are we going to like grow all our own food? Or are we going to like, you know, like if you like really break it down, like to like proper homesteading, that's difficult in this day and age, you know? I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's like, I do feel lucky. Like we have, if anybody's going to do it, like their setup is as dialed as it could possibly probably be, you know? Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see if it, we'll see if it comes to that. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Exactly. I mean, everybody, it sounds like everybody in them and, and their grandmother has a prediction of what the future will be, but, but nobody really knows. You know what I mean? No, no, nobody, everyone's got an opinion on this thing, but nobody knows. (laughs) So Rush, you have made several, you know, incredible films, um, and you've witnessed, you know, tons of incredible feats, including world records, world championships, first ascents, um, you know, jaw dropping rapids and freestyle and all that stuff. What would you consider one of your most awesome experiences from any of your filmmaking uh, trips? Um, from any filmmaking trip, I mean, you know, without a doubt, as far as and this wasn't my film, but for you know Steve Fisher's Congo project, I mean that that will always probably stand out as the the biggest sort of kind of monster that I ever that we ever took on. I mean, that was, that was a pretty scary one. Um, uh, I feel like, yeah, every other project, like they're, they all kind of have their own sort of unique, um, kind of, kind of story. And I guess I learned something different from every single one. I mean, from, you know, watching Tyler brought break the world record to having my near miss with trying to break the world record at Alexandria and, and almost, drowning to having to resuscitate a friend to, um, you know, all these different sort of, you know, to, to freestyle stuff, the big wave progression out in Quebec, which is, you know, I, I feel like has been one of the most fun locations. Um, but I don't know, they all kind of, to me, sort of combine together a little bit. I feel like every, you know, story in kayaking that I've had the opportunity to tell has been, um, sort of essential for, for me. And, um, you know, I feel like there's still, still a lot of good ones to tell too. So I'm looking, looking forward to trying to, to do more as well. That's awesome. And w- when does, uh, when does your new film actually come out? Do you have a release date yet or is it still? 
No, the the River Runner right now is is in this kind of interesting space of like being a completely finished film, and normally you would just bring it out on the festival circuit and see what kind of reception it gets. Um, like with with Chasing Niagara, that's what we did, and then we're ultimately able to sell it to a distributor to Stars. So we hope for something similar, but right now the climate is really difficult to predict. Like most festivals are going online and um, there are rumors that there's a lot of demand for content right now, especially as production has, you know, where the rumor is that like LA is like dried up and there's like not a ton of production happening. Um, And I don't know how true all that is, but yeah, potentially we could be kind of setting ourselves up in a good position to, to sell the film. And then to answer your question, I'm hoping for like, you know, uh, like winter, um, this winter, you know, maybe December or January to, to have it out there. Awesome. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it for sure. Thanks, man. Thanks. What do you consider one of the biggest myths of filmmaking? Oh man. Um, the biggest myths. I mean, like right now, the one thing I keep hearing is, is, you know, like, well, every kid has an iPhone and every kid can make a movie. And, um, it's actually really a cool thing and it's true, you know, like we all of a sudden, like we, we used to sort of be this coveted thing where like if you, these like high end cameras, like it was kind of like an exclusive club. And now it's like the, the playing field is really kind of even because you can make an amazing film with, with literally an iPhone. So, I mean, um, but I think the myth is like, not everybody, everybody knows how to tell a good story, you know? And I think that's like sort of, even though, yeah, you might have the technology there, that's only really just a small piece of the puzzle. Um, and so I think it's kind of a myth that like it's something anybody can kind of do, even though it is something everyone can do, you have to learn this other side of the art form, which is something I'm still learning a lot, you know, and that is how to engage an audience and, and entertain them. Um, and so it's easy to capture action. Um, it's a little bit harder to tell the story in the, you know, the sort of, um, background of that, of that action. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. And I mean, a good story is, is something that everybody enjoys. So if, if you're, you know, a good storyteller, then you've, you've got, uh, you've got the whole thing locked up for sure. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, so you've had quite a unique career path so far between, you know, winning a world championship yourself, uh, starting River Roots, doing your, your music um, as well. What would you give or what advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a similar career to yours? Um, I guess the, the best advice I could give is just to, to, to start doing it. I mean, it's kind of it seems simple, but, um, you know, a lot of people ask me, should I go to film school um, or not? I did... A, a, a brief stint in film school. I don't regret it, but at the same time, I do feel like all the tools and everything is kind of there for you right now, especially with YouTube and whatnot. Um, you can learn a lot of this stuff on your own. I've learned, you know, 80 or 90% of it kind of on my own or through working with other people. So I think, yeah, pick up a camera, get a kayak. Um, you know, it, it, uh, if you're motivated and you're passionate about this, um, the money will eventually find you and you'll be able to make it work, but it definitely won't be easy at first, but don't get discouraged. I see a lot of people, um, they try it for a while. It doesn't, you know, it's hard, hard to make ends meet. Um, and so they kind of can give up on it or, or, 
or perceive something different. But, uh, but I do think that, you know, all this for me too, it took time, you know, for sure. And it was, it was a lot of years of kind of, um, you know, definitely done my fair share of, of, of sleeping on the ground, you know, and that's, that's, that was, I've been, it was, it was, I was blessed to, to dirtbag it for a long time and just slowly kind of build this thing up, but don't expect it to happen overnight. Um, that would be my, my advice. Yeah. And how much, how much do you consider just like taking action being like one of the more important things or, or where does the action balance with like the passion? Like which do you consider one more important than the other or equal or? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think a lot of it, you know, comes down to work ethic and, um, I probably get that from my old man, you know, like I definitely was, uh, I mean, he, my dad, my dad is like a, like works harder than just about anybody I know still. And he's like 72. Um, and so I guess when you grow up with a role model like that, that, that can definitely help. Um, and for the people who don't, I think like self-motivation and, you know, just kind of instilling work ethic within yourself. Um, I mean, it's, I know it's cliche, but you get out what you put in. Um, and it's really true. Like if, if, um, if you just take the time and I, I think for me, I'm lucky because I, I wake up every morning and I'm like actually stoked to dig into whatever it is that I'm editing or even just like emails or music, whatever it is, kayaking. I sort of treat each, each sort of thing as a challenge and, um, and, and I, I actually enjoy it. So for me, the work, the work part is actually easy because I like what I do. And so I think for anybody else, like that's what I would encourage them to do as well is actually find something that you really like to do. Make sure that you love kayaking every day, that you love filmmaking every day, because not everyone does. Um, and, and just sort of find that. And then, and then the work part becomes easy. That's, it's, I definitely agree. It's so true how once you find what you love, then it's, it's no longer work. It's just, you know, you're just doing yeah. it. Um, I mean, I, I will add to that. Like it's, it's, I do think that any path is, is difficult and a challenge. And I will, there's also lots of days where I wake up and I fucking hate it. So, you know, uh, it's a balance for sure. But I think that, that when the, the positives definitely outweigh the negatives, then you're on the right, the right path, you know? Awesome. Um, so rush with all the success that you've had so far, where do you see yourself going from here? Is it what direction? I mean, you've got all these different kind of like a spider web of, know art forms that you can continue are you going to keep going in all directions focus in one what do you see in in one three ten years from now yeah i mean i i am currently (laughs) currently trying to figure that out i have a couple of different you know quite a few different projects like sort of on my roster one is actually doing another kayak movie i was just talking to dane yesterday pretty interested in trying to do like a shred flick and bring it back to sort of the old days of um the kind of action genre athlete segment driven film um so i'm kind of testing the waters uh, on that you know so it'd be cool I, I would love to have like this river roots kind of functioning as a company where it's i sort of have a lot of different projects going but i'm not having to like be the one directing every single one and so maybe kind of spiderweb the the production company out a bit right now i'm sort of involved with every step of the process because we're just not big enough to really hire anyone else to do other stuff but I hope with this, you know, I hope that the, there's some success with this next next film. Um, I have a narrative feature um, 
a film I'm trying to produce on the life of Henry Cotzia. Um, and so, you know, I'm trying to get that turned into a screenplay. I have the, the life rights for that. So that's kind of like the big picture sort of dream project that would, you know, five, 10 years, um, kind of thing, sort of like my next, you know, river runner or chasing Niagara. Um, and then I actually have a, a whole roster of kind of environmental, uh, type films right now that aren't, um, that are more kind of informative and they're, those are based around sort of, uh, water management and land management and some different working with a couple of different nonprofits here in the Northwest in California and trying to kind of also do more, um, you know, stuff that is environmentally focused and kind of, uh, giving back more to the river community. I would definitely like to do more of that kind of work, um, sort of, uh, moving forward here. That's incredible. I think there's definitely, I mean, huge value in giving back just always. Um, I feel like it, for me anyway, I always get more out of giving than I do out of receiving. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I feel like it's time for me to do more projects like that. I mean, and I don't, and I sometimes wonder like, okay, what do I actually have to give here? In some ways, I feel like this path is a somewhat selfish pursuit in some, in some ways, you know, but I have like this gift of, of being able to produce quality media. So like, why not use that to inform people about, you know, ways that they can, they can better sort of protect, um, land and water and, and, uh, the natural environment. That's amazing. Rush. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Definitely very grateful for the time you've got with us today. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to what I call our favorite five, where I ask these same five questions to all of our guests. Um, so I'm just going to fire these off for you. Do you have an inspirational quote that you live by? Yeah, I'm a big, uh, big fan of the Dalai Lama. Um, and he has one that's, uh, the goal is to not be better than the other man, but better than your previous self. Um, and I think that that's for me, the most important thing, like it's, it's easy to get caught up with like what other people are kind of doing around you, but like, you know, stay focused, stay in your lane. Don't worry about anything else. Like just do, do the best you can just be better than you. Um, and that's something I try to live by. No, that's uh, that that's incredible insight for sure. And it's, um, you know, I've, I've got a different version, but it's pretty much the same thing where I try daily to just be better than I was yesterday. And mm-hmm. it's essentially yeah. the same thing where you're don't focus on everybody else and just, you know, focus on yourself and try to be better than, you know, you were. That's, that's super cool. Um, do you have a valuable lesson that you've learned from either a recent mistake or just any valuable lesson you've learned recently? Yeah, I think the thing I've been learning lately or trying to get better at lately is organization. (laughs) Um, I tend to be a bit scattered sometimes in terms of just like having a lot going on. And that comes down to even like my physical possessions. And it doesn't help that I have this like transient kayaker crash pad with like our joking is like River Roots parking and storage. Um, Benny Marr taking up like half my basement. Um, but no, I actually recently just gutted the whole place out here, cleaned everything. And I don't know, it's interesting. Like I kind of just am realizing that, uh, life can just be so much easier just by having some basic systems in place. Um, and I'm 35 now it's taken me, you know, all of those years to sort of start to realize it. But, um, yeah, I guess just like being organized makes life 
easier. Um, so just do it. <laughs> that's a lesson I've been learning lately. That's a lesson that I continually need to learn. Uh, I'm definitely not as organized and Emily regularly reminds me. Oh, that's lucky. That's lucky. You've got Emily there to regulate. <laughs> yeah. On a total side note, uh, you just mentioned Benny. We, we just did a podcast with him as well. Oh, uh, I'm and sorry. I, and I asked him this, uh, <laughs> I asked him the same question that, uh, that the two of you made a, a video series called out to lunch. Who do you consider more out to lunch between you or Benny? <laughs> Definitely Benny, dude. That, that dude is dumb. Uh, <laughs> Um, I mean, dude, we are both out to lunch in very different ways. Uh, Benny's actually, he can actually be kind of smart sometimes, but mostly, mostly he's pretty out to lunch. <laughs> That's awesome. What did, what, did he, what did he say? He said it was me, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. Actually, no, he may have said him. I've got to, I've got to go back and check now. Now I'm, now I'm questioning what he, what he said. Um, Maybe he said you guys were both pretty out to lunch. The beautiful, the amazing thing about Benny is like, he just literally has no life, you know, like he's, I mean, but then I, like in the same sense, he has like all the life, you know, cause it's like, he's just on the perpetual shred. I mean, for him, it's just following the flow, like no matter where it is. I mean, I see him in white salmon, but only when it's like optimal, um, just the prime time spring flows. Um, and then as soon as the flows drop out, he's on to the next place. I mean, he's like a soul boater at, at heart for sure. And I definitely admire that. I mean, I guess there was a period in my life where I was, we were all on the same sort of path. And now, um, I've become a bit more grounded with having a mortgage and basically like the ongoing joke is that I'm doing all this work so that Benny can basically have a place to have shelter and eat and sleep. And so, yeah, it's, you know, it's necessary. <laughs> That's awesome. It is interesting because like in our podcast with Benny, uh, he says the same kind of thing where it's just, he's very much just in the flow and it's like flowing to and fro, like how he can go paddle more and the places yeah. he wants to go. It's, it's an interesting uh, life for sure. And if you guys haven't checked out that episode, go check out that past episode with Benny. It's, it's an interesting one. It's probably, it's probably really boring. Actually, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite book or are you currently reading anything? Yeah, I just read a book called uh, The The Order of Time, um, which is which is really interesting, sort of about uh, sort of an analysis of what they sort of think time actually is. And it's a yeah, really interesting perspective. What was it called again? The Order of Time. The Order of Time. I'll have to check that out for sure. It sounds pretty, pretty interesting. Um if uh, if you could go back in time to any age and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Ooh, um, I think I would go back and tell myself. I think, especially surrounding competition, um, I would have maybe encouraged myself to just maybe party just a little less. <laughs> Not like like don't like not stop partying, but just maybe like a little less. I feel like there were, there were a lot of times there at like various world championships where it was just like so much fun. And I might've like, kind of like lost sight of what like my actual purpose was there, <laughs> which was to compete. Um, but at the same time, I don't know if I would take those experiences back. They were pretty darn fun. That's awesome. Um, okay. So I've got one final question here for you, Rush. And that is, what is your definition of awesome? 
my definition of awesome is probably nature, you know, the natural environment. I think that, um, there are a few things that are as awesome or as inspiring as, uh, the sort of world that's around us. And it's, it's often overlooked, but, but to me, that is kind of true, true awesomeness. That is awesome. And I definitely agree that, you know, we should all try to get out to nature more often just because even myself, I mean, I'm, I'm in nature pretty much every day and regularly I still try to stop and remind myself to just like look around and just be like, wow, like yeah. I am in total awe. I mean, it's just nature is the, the greatest of all art forms. Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Um, so we're on the, on the same page there. Rush, thank you so very much for coming on today. This has been incredible. Um, thanks for your stories and your time and definitely looking forward to the new film. What is the best way for our listeners to connect with you? Um, best way to connect is you can, you can give me a, a follow on uh, social platforms, just at Rush Sturgis, um, otherwise riverroots.com. And um, yeah, I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks so much. And again, thank you for joining us, Rush. This has been amazing. I look forward to the next time we get to go paddle some rivers together. Um, We'll see if it's post-COVID or what. And again, also stoked for this new film coming out. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Again, uh, this has been amazing. And if you guys got any value out of this, which I certainly hope you did, please feel free to share it with a friend or family member and just help us kind of grow our message and our community here. I'm Nick Troutman signing off and let's all go and have an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.